0: Hello, and welcome to the Friday edition of the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. It is Nick Zarars, and we are in spring training in the baseball universe, and us baseball people are very happy. Today's episode with Chris Schweitzer was a lot of fun. We spent a lot of time talking. We touched bases on every single team in baseball for at least one sentence. Some teams, like the Kansas City Royals, we did not spend a significant amount of time talking about might end up talking about the Royals at some point during the regular season, because I do have a few friends who are actually Royals fans from that part of the country, so could possibly have that happen down the road, not to make up one of the Royals, but they are one of those teams. But before I get to the conversation with Chris, do gotta take care of the housekeeping. I gotta do it every single episode. Gotta remind everyone, if you're on Apple Podcast, please subscribe and then scroll down to the bottom of the episode page, all the way past, you gotta go past episode one, which is titled Draft Night, which I recorded the night the Rangers drafted Alexis Lafreniere back in the fall. Hit the fifth star going left to right. That number five star, that is leaving a five star review. Please leave a written review. That would be nice as well. If you're on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Audio Audioboom, or any of the other podcasting platforms, hit the little follow button for me, please. It would help a lot. Follow along on Twitter. At Nick Sararis, Z-A-R-A-R-I-S. A lot of stuff. Make a lot of content. Rangers blog should be up at this point. Um, Working on another one that's Jack Eichel specific. More of a history of superstar players in the NHL getting traded than specific to the Rangers, even though that's the lens in which I'm viewing it through. I'll see you guys on the other side of the drop with Chris. And uh, let's go Mets. Two on, two out, two and two to Conforto. And he drives one, deep right field, that goes he, over his head, and the Mets win the ball game! And with that, welcome on one of my very good friends, the host of the Sports Report with uh, Chris Schweitzer. Uh, His name is Chris Schweitzer, just to (laughs) not give it away, but how are you doing, Chris?
1: I'm doing pretty good. We got, we got baseball being played. It's only spring training, but you know, weather's getting nicer. There's baseball on TV. I'm I'm excited. So I'm doing pretty good. It's a beautiful way to set up the first thing I want to talk to you about today. Just
0: that beautiful feeling we have as baseball fans of the late February, early March where spring training starts, where it's, we're not that far away from being out of winter. Soon it'll be warm. We'll be able to do things outside again. And it's even more so now because we spent most of a year cooped up inside because of COVID. Because of COVID. So now, with the looming possibility of having a real summer by mid July, a lot of us are in that same boat of hope springs eternal every year, but especially more so now. And as baseball fans, this time of year is just, it's so optimistic. It's so uplifting. I remember talking myself into the 2017, 2018 Mets being like, we don't need that much to go right. This is a wild card <laughs> team. Maybe we could do this. Adrian Gonzalez still has some hop left in his back.
1: You you always do, you always talk yourself in the in the whatever team, whatever you know, whatever players are on your team. You're like, yeah, no, these, these guys, you know, maybe they they're not that good, but maybe you know, they can hit two fifty. They can give us twenty home runs. That's all we need out of them. We got other good players. Let the other guys carry the weight. And then you know, like I said, most of the time, most of the time, you're just you're talking guys up that you know aren't, aren't any good, like Adrian Gonzalez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Adrian
0: Gonzalez. Uh, Rob, even Robbie Cano, like two years ago, I was like, all right, maybe we can do something with Robinson Cano. He yeah, played in New York for a long time. He knows what it takes to be a decent baseball player. Apparently, all it takes is steroids, but uh, enough yeah, about yeah. Robbie Cano, but <laughs> just optimism. And it's not just the whole, we're going to have baseball soon. It's that I'm like actually excited for the Mets this year. Like genuinely, like they could win the division excited this year.
1: Yeah. Like, it, it, like I, in my mind, the Braves are still top dog. That's just cause that's, that's what they've been for the last, you know, three, four years. And they made the, you know, they were, they were a, a win away from making the world series last year, but you know, I I've talked about this a lot. This is, this is the best Mets offseason. Like this is the best off season the Mets have had in, like a long time Mm -hmm. like a really long time and even like even if they just stopped at getting Francisco Lindor this still would have been like a successful like it would have been one of the better ones in the Wilpon era just get just getting Lindor and then add on to that you got you know you got it you got a catcher you got bullpen pieces you got multiple starting pitchers like they filled a lot of holes in this team with quality players you know not not you know, last year we needed some rotation pieces and they go out and sign Michael Walk and Rick Borsello. This year you trade for Carlos Carrasco and sign Taiwan Walker. You know, they, there's, it's very different, very different. So I'm, I'm very excited about, about this Mets team.
0: And there's the added factor of like, you know, there's less of a circus now. It's not, oh, what stupid thing is Brody going to say today? Or what's going to get leaked to reporter X about the funds that did Y during the offseason? where it's like, well, they could have signed him, but they didn't know how much money they were going to have in the budget, so they told Brody he had to go a tier down in free agency, and that's how you end up with a Michael Walker or a Rick Porcello. Just getting rid of the Wilpons alone made the offseason a success. The fact they actually went out and spent money, they made smart trades, I liked what I saw from Jimenez, and I always thought Rosario had a high ceiling, but to go get Lindor and not have to give up too much to do it, Awesome. You get Carrasco in there as well, who shores up your rotation more, which is a real thing. The Mets had injury problems last year in the rotation. You're hoping that this year the injury bug can be reasonable, where it won't ravage one unit too much more than the other. Where I know you and I have talked about a lot, the Mets problem is a pendulum every year where it goes back and forth between being the lineup and the rotation. Two years ago, it was the lineup not being able to score. Last year, it was the rotation and the bullpen. This year, you're hoping for some form of a middle ground where if some guys are slumping, it's not the whole lineup at once. Or if two of the five starters are just outright bad, you're not going to have to punt two of five starts every time through the rotation like they were last year where you're sending Michael Walk out there or, God forbid, you're in one of those emergency starts. You know, they actually have guys who can make an emergency start now that aren't like Michael Walker or Tyler Pill, Walker Lockett. Some yeah, of the, of those guys. some of the amazing guys. Who was the Irish guy they had who made a couple? of Oh starts my two god! Years ago? I, you know,
1: I honestly, I honestly forgot that guy existed <laughs> until you mentioned him. And I remember they like, he made a start. He pitched okay. Then they they DFA'd him. He got picked up by the Dodgers, and then like yeah. the Dodgers DFA'd him a day later. And the Mets brought him back in their minors. I yeah. I I I know who you're talking about. It's hilarious that you because I that guy was completely out of my memory, but yeah. PJ Conlon.
0: PJ Conlon. Yeah, I Googled it yeah, while you were
1: talking. Yeah. yeah okay.
0: <laughs> now we got actual, like legitimate, like long men who can, you know, make a spot start like Lucchesi, guys like that, who they're yeah. not flashy, but you know, that's a major league pitcher. That's not a AAA yeah, exactly. guy who's going to just bit, yeah. shelled on a Sunday start. I mean, <laughs> I still think about that 2018 season where they sent Tyler pill out there on a Sunday and he gave up 12 runs in an inning and it's like, all right, this game is over. I can go about my Sunday now. We actually I mean, have was like, things to be that was like Every about.
1: Sunday, yeah, that was like yeah. every Sunday game for the Mets. It's like a punt lineup where you yeah. see you see like Tomas Nido batting fifth in the order. And you're <laughs> like, what is like what is going on? Like I, I get I get you know you need to get your guys some rest, but geez, I mean you can't just punt every you know a game every week. Yeah, oh, goodness.
0: <laughs> now that we've kind of talked a little bit Mets we're going to open this up a little bit more big picture talking about the state of baseball as a whole and then we're going to circle back to the NL East because Chris has some things he wants to touch on there I went through this morning while I was making prep notes for this and I tiered up all 30 teams in Major League Baseball based on either they're a contender for the to win the World Series they are a playoff team with holes the whatever i don't know what to make of this team and then the well i guess there's next year i only have six teams to legitimately that i think could win the world series right now four of them are in the national league two are in the american league do you think the american league is just the yankees and white Sox, and then the next year down in that top tier because i think that's where this discussion starts
1: the top tier for sure and honestly like Trust me, I I really like the White Sox. I I love I love their their young players. I love Lucas uh, Gilito, I love Luis Robert, Elo Jimenez. Like I love all those guys. Nick Madrigal out second. I think they have an extremely talented roster. I don't know why they hired T- Tony La Russa. I mean, if they if they had gone out and got AJ Hinch like the Tigers did, I would I would you know it it'd be it'd be Yankees White Sox ALCS. That's like the only thing I could see happening, you know, but. I don't know. I just like the team the, the roster itself is is damn good. I just don't know how Tony La is going to be. That's what scares me about the White Sox. Um because I mean Aaron Boone isn't, you know, isn't like the the greatest manager, but he's you know they win games with him like yeah. they they win 90 95 games a year with aaron boone at I minute mean, i don't know what Tony like tony Russa did that with the cardinals in 2005 is he gonna <laughs> do that with with this young and fun white Sox team in in 2021 i don't know you know
0: and it's interesting because for most of our lives the pendulum was always american league heavy it was always the american league was the better league the best teams in the american league a lot of the time, the ALCS was more competitive than the World Series. I remember more than once just the ALCS being a legitimate seven-game knife fight and then getting to the World Series and the National League team just getting steamrolled in four yeah. games, and there was no question of whether or not they were going to win. The, the Red Sox playing the Cardinals, the Red Sox playing the Rockies, just those are the two that came to mind off the top of my head. But I think it's really interesting that we've seen it swing back to being – National League heavy where you're talking about the Dodgers the Padres the Mets and the Braves all having real world series aspirations where if any of those four teams came out of the National League I wouldn't be that surprised
1: yeah and like you could you could make the argument that the two best teams of baseball aren't only in the NL but they're in the in the NL West like you can legit make the argument that the I mean the Dodgers are clear-cut number one I don't know how there's that's that's you know no debating that. And you can very easily make the argument that San Diego is number two. Like it's either San Diego, Atlanta, or the Yankees. They're they're the three teams fighting for number two right now. And, you know, the, the Mets are there. They're not at the two spot yet, but they're like, they're in the mix with those teams. Well, like you said, they're one of the teams that could make it out of the national league because they have, they have the, you know, the players in place, in place. But yeah, I mean, it's the, the NL, the, the pendulum definitely has swung. The NL is much, much better. Even, you know, even just in the middle, I mean, the, like the NL East itself is going to be a slugfest this year. I yeah. Get a little later, but I was just looking. I was like, oh my goodness, you know, the, the Phillies, the Phillies could win eighty. You know, they're going to be, they're probably be over five hundred. The Nationals could be over five hundred. I mean, the Marlins have a good roster. I don't know if they're going to be over five hundred just because of how competitive the division's going to be. But there's there's going to be no easy wins in in that division. There's no Pirates in that division. There's no there's no Royals. There's no, you know, there's no Tigers. There's you know no Rockies. There's none of those teams like that in in the NL East. So. The, the National League's pretty pretty deep.
0: I mean, when you think about it, I mean, I know that one Phillies rotation, the one that was like Roy Halliday, Cliff Lee, Cole Hamels, um, Roy Oswalt, was like maybe the best rotation we'd ever seen. The Dodgers rotation is insane. You're talking Dodgers. about Kershaw, Price, Dustin May, Walker Bueller, and um, Trevor Bauer. That's absolutely yeah. insane. That's I mean, maybe the best one through five rotation of it, our lifetime
1: it probably is and they they have like they have a few other guys on their, <laughs> on their rotation that would like easily make it into most other teams like starting five like yeah. they they have you know like david i mean what you say david price julio urias tony gonzalen yeah. like those are guys that would make it into another team starting five easily and urias and gonzalen you know, they're going to be, they're going to be long relief guys. You know, that's what they're going to be, or like a spot start here and there. That's what they're going to be. They're not going to be top end guys, but they would be like, they could be, they like any, like one of those two guys would probably be the second, second best pitcher in the Rockies rotation. Yeah. And they're the Sixth and seventh guys in the Dodgers rotation, because that's, that's how good they are. It's crazy. It,
0: it really is insane. How just the Dodgers put together, you know, like a franchise team, like an MLB, the show franchise where you just work it for a number of years and you get all the guys in free agency or you just unload your farm and you end up with, you know, seven all-stars and three Cy Youngs in your lineup. And, it's really hard to see anyone being able to beat them, but that's the magic of postseason baseball. You get weird things to happen. Like you said earlier, the Braves were a game away. They blew a 3-1 lead, but yeah. the Braves very well could have beat them. I yes, they went out and added Bauer and that helps, but we'll talk a little bit about Trevor Bauer. Just I know you mentioned it on your show yesterday, just he's a career like three eight five ERA guy. Let's I, I know he had an insane year last year, but we shouldn't yeah. measure him a bet. Against his season last year, where he had a one seven nine ERA, he's a yeah. good pitcher, but he's not a dominant, elite pitcher like he's made out to be. As the number two starter, three starter in the Dodger rotation, sure, the Dodgers are going to be very good, and Barrow will probably be fine for them. But it'd be very funny if he was just kind of met.
1: Oh, it'd be hilarious, especially because they're giving him forty million dollars. <laughs> That's insanity. But it'd be hilarious if he was just if he was just awful. So oh, m-
0: move. Moving down the list here, then in that next tier, the close, but they have holes. You mentioned the Nationals. I think the Nationals could be a wild card team. They've got the bats in a lineup. They've still got Scherzer, who can win a game against anyone. Scherzer's still awesome. You never know how healthy Strasburg's going to be, but you're talking about Juan Soto, who's awesome. The Nationals are a top heavy lineup, but very easily wild card team get hot. The Phillies need bullpen help, but their lineup is still pretty good. Their rotation is fine. It's not great. Arietta isn't as good as he was. They have problems in their rotation. It's not awful. And then on the other side, I've got Toronto in that tier, but I could see if Toronto's young guys pop, them moving themselves up a little bit. I have Oakland there, and then I have Minnesota there in that tier of they need a piece, and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay I have in there as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Toronto, I think Toronto's rotation will keep them out of that, like, upper echelon but they yeah if if they're like if if Laddie if he if he plays how they thought he was going to play when he came up and bo bochette keeps playing out and come biggio and all these guys and springer springer hits really well if these guys play well they'll you know they'll probably take over tampa bay for second base and they'll probably be at the the top of that second tier they'll be up there because they have they have an incredible incredible lineup really talented offense The, the the pitching staff a little left to be desired, but they they have some talented pitchers. They have Nate Pearson, Hing and Rio. They got some guys, but Steven Matz. The, the, Steven yeah they do have Steven <laughs> Matz. Shout out Steven Matz. <laughs> but so, yeah, they, they 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 have a good offense. Little a little lackluster pitching but it's not bad by any means.
0: As the other team I forgot to mention in that tier I guess by like default, like they're like a minus favorite to win their division, the the I almost called them the Arizona, the St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> because I I was watching, I forget who, Steve Kime was on one of the shows I was watching earlier. Yeah, the Cardinals who, they went out and got Arenado. They got Goldschmidt a couple of years. They have a weird amalgamation of talent. Like, they'll win that division kind of by default, but like no one on that team really scares me. I don't think they can hang with a Braves, a Padres, a Dodgers. And I think the Mets would be a favorite if they were to play them in a best of five series.
1: I, I think so for sure. St. Louis, yeah, they, they, like you said, they're pretty much – they're going to win the division by default because they're like the only team in the division that even made an effort to get better this yeah. offseason. I guess Milwaukee – I think Milwaukee will be better too. I think those are the two teams that are going to duke it out for, for winning the NL Central is St. Louis and Milwaukee. But, um, you know, St. Louis just – I think they, they just have a little bit of a better roster. So it's probably going to be them that, that went out. But, I mean, Chicago – only got worse
0: yeah
1: um saying you know saying i mean pittsburgh i they might win 50 games this year they look awful they're paying they i think they what their payroll is like 28 million dollars or something pittsburgh that is pitiful um yeah who Who am i forgetting in that there's somebody else that i'm i'm forgetting oh cincinnati. Um, cincinnati yeah and cincinnati you know they they still have some talented players You know, Bauer obviously was a huge part, but they got Sonny Gray, they got Luis Castillo. That's a good one. Giannis is good. Eugenio Suarez is still really good as well. Votto, he's he's fallen off, but you know they they have Jesse Winker is a pretty good player too. They have some talent, but I don't think again I don't think they have enough to. I mean, they had Trevor Bauer pitching the best. You know, he's ever like career like he had he was like he was a Cy Young last year. He was so good. He was incredible last year, and they still only. They were 31 and 29. They were two games over 500. Um, didn't even make, make or actually they, they made the wild card, but then didn't score a single run in the wild card series against the Braves. So, yep. you know, even with Trevor Bauer pitching out of his mind, they still couldn't really make a lot of noise in that division. So I don't know with St. Louis getting better and Milwaukee by default, they're going to be better. I don't know if, if Cincinnati is going to be able to hang with, with the, the two of them, but they'll take, they'll overtake the Cubs because the Cubs I think are going to be pretty bad.
0: Moving on down, I've got this section of teams called I don't know whatever. I've got the Marlins in here, the Brewers in here, the Reds in here, the Astros in here, the Angels in here, and the Indians in here. Because a lot of those teams, I just don't know what to make of. I think Milwaukee can be decent. You need Yellich to hit well again. You need Travis Shaw to, you know, go back to what he was two, three years ago. The Marlins, like you said, are a pretty young team. They have a lot of talent, but it's a matter of, how well they can hang in that division. The Astros are only getting worse. The Angels still have no pitching. The Rays are, you know, they're going to try and nickel in their, dime their way there. And the Indians only got worse in the off season too.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the Brewers, I've never really been a huge fan of the Brewers roster, but I mean, like there's no, there's no chance that Christian Yelich is like, he was, abysmal. He hit 205 last year. Yeah. The two seasons before that, he won the nl batting title. Yeah. Like obviously the last, you know, the 60 game season last year was was a fluke and he's going to return the form. You know, even 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 when he was in Miami and he wasn't like an MVP yet, he was still hitting 280 290 every year. You know, he's not going to hit 200 again. That's just not going to happen with Christian Yelich. So he's going to get better, when he gets better, the whole team's going to get better. I think the, the Brewers roster as a whole just they just couldn't hit last year. Yeah. And they still they still made a wild card game. I mean they were under 500 and made the wild card because of the expanded playoffs. But I just think they're they're like a situation where they had such they probably had such bad luck last year that just by nature of the luck turning around a little in their favor, they'll be a good team, they'll be able to be competitive. Um I mean Miami, Miami's kind of weird. Um, they had they have some decent players, but I just they just didn't do enough this off season. I I do like Cleveland a little bit, um, but this is like this is like the last year they have, I think, because eventually Jose Ramirez is going to end up leaving soon too. They have to pay Shane Bieber, and I pretty I, much know they don't if they're not going to pay Francisco Lindor. I don't know if they're going to pay anybody on that team. So, um, you know, Cleveland. Cleveland's interesting. The, the division, it only got tougher with Chicago getting really good. Minnesota it was really good last year as well. So you assume Minnesota is going to stay around around the same spot. So it'll be tough for Cleveland. But, again, they like you said, they're kind of in that middle tier. They're pretty good, but not not really first or second tier good.
0: And, yeah, the Astros lost Springer. They lost their leadoff hitter. Correa hasn't been great. Altuve – the Astros as a whole last year were pretty bad. I mean, they made the playoffs last year under yeah. five hundred mostly because their division was a joke, but they're only getting worse, and we all are pretty sure that they they have to blow it up, right? Start over relatively soon.
1: I mean, that would that would be the smart thing to do. Yeah. Um, I, I think they've been talking about or to Korea about a about a contract extension, but keeping them in the long term. Um, I mean, I, I guess that that's probably not just the you know. The worst thing to do. They still have Breikman there, who, who's good. But um, I mean, I like Miles Straw, who's probably going to be their center field replacement. But not. I mean, he's not going to be George Springer. He's just like a decent player. Um, you know, I don't know if we're going to get Verlander back this year. Granky's still pretty good. But they also just lost. Um, I think they lost Framber Valdez for for most of this. I think they lost him possibly for the whole year. He had, he had a finger injury a couple of days ago. So they they lost a couple of their their better pitchers. Um, you know, Tuve is only getting older, like you said. You know. Correa he's a free agent this you know this offseason so mate you know who knows if he if if he's going to stay or if not if he leaves and they're kind of screwed but Kyle Tucker they they they're starting right fielder he's actually very good he's very good and Jordan Alvarez is also very good so they they have pieces to to keep it going if they want um but i i think you know maybe like a maybe like a a a I don't know i i guess like a like a like a working rebuild not a full down you know tear down rebuild but you know they they definitely do have to revamp their their farm system and and maybe get rid of some of the dead weight they have on their team if they want to they want to get better soon because they they have some talent but they're definitely falling behind with the rest of the American League
0: I still I'm waiting, Chris. One of these years, the A's are going to make an ALCS. One of these years, the A's are going to make an ALCS, and we're going to get a million Billy Bean think pieces, even though he's not the general manager anymore. We're going to get a million think pieces about how his vision has been realized and the A's are three games away from the World Series, and then the Yankees are going to steamroll them in five games.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I would would love for the A's – for the for the A's to make an LCA. if the A's made it out of the American League, I would I would be so happy. That would that would that would I that would be the perfect ending to a season for me if the A's were able to make it out of the American League. I just like you said, they always make it there. They're always great in the regular season. They make it to the playoffs, and then for whatever reason, something in the playoffs, they end up getting steamrolled, you know, or they they, they lose a heartbreaker in in the ALDS. Always it always happens to them. So you know, and eventually at some point, the Angels got to get better too, right? So. You know, I'm waiting for the, for the. I'm waiting for the Angels to get some pitching. They've had a fine lineup for a while
0: now, and you know, at some point you gotta go get some pitchers for that lineup because I know they're waiting for the holes contract to be done, and then <laughs> that's a little more money to spend. But you you know about how much money to Mike Trout to Rendon, and then you gotta worry about Otani if he's gonna pitch what that does to his bat. They just have a weird confluence of talent and. I like watching the angels the, they, the angels are one of the teams I spent a lot of time watching on the West on that late o'clock, that West coast night owl window of baseball. Yeah. I know you're on too, but mm-hmm. the MLB TV, man, great, great get, but back to the angels, so many opportunities this decade to, you know, go out in free agency. I know you said a lot that they made the most sense to go out and get Bauer because they need yeah. pitching and he wants to go back to California. Doesn't seem like they made much of an overture to make that happen. And it does seem like you know they kind of hamstrung themselves with the way they set up their roster.
1: It, it, yeah, it definitely does. They they their offensive talent is is certainly there. But yeah, they just they don't like the, the pitching's okay, but that's just it. Like it's obviously not enough for the pitching to just be okay. And they're not making they're they're not making enough like meaningful moves, like really really aggressive moves to get better. They they like try to nickel or, nickel and dime their way to having you know. I mean, like Dylan Bundy. They did that. Dylan Bundy was he. he pitched very well from last year, but he didn't cost them a lot. You know, they're taking a lot of take a lot of a lot of flyers on pitchers. Like the, even now, looking at the rotation, Dylan Bundy, Andrew Heaney, Jose Quintana, you know, Griffin Canning. I like Griffin Canning a lot, but he's young and he's you know you don't even know what he's going to be. Quintana, he was very up and down with Chicago for for a number of years. Bundy was up and down with Baltimore for a number of years. He worked out for the Angels last year, but you know. There, there's no there's no guy you look at and you're like this is the guy that can lead my rotation you know this is the guy you know for sure is going to be the, the ace of this roster the ace of this this rotation you, there's nobody on in their rotation that you can clear cut say that about um i mean maybe if otani gets healthy enough to pitch you know maybe he could be that guy but i, I think eventually he's just going to end up being a dh long term um i mean they, they made a nice move getting Glacius for their bullpen as they in their closer they at least have a, a, a dependable closer now but you know I mean, the rest of the, the, you know, their closer before that was Hansel Robles. So it can't really get too much worse, worse than Uh, that.
0: (laughs) Migrating down to the bottom tier. I'm not going to go through every single team, but uh, the way I'll frame this discussion is this of all of these teams. Could you see any of them making the playoffs? Cubs, Pirates, Giants, Diamondbacks, Rockies, Red Sox, Orioles, Royals, Tigers, Mariners and Rangers. Could any of those teams conceivably make the playoffs?
1: I think if I was going to give one of them a shot, I'd probably give it to the Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're in a very tough division. Yeah. Um, but Colorado obviously got a lot worse, so that that will be okay. They're going to be, be able to beat them, I think. Arizona's roster is pretty good, but I thought they were pretty good last year too, and they ended up they ended up uh, with the worst record in the you NL know, West last year, Arizona. So um not really too confident in them uh but i mean san francisco they had some they they had some pretty good performances out of some i mean they they I, I, they were 29 and 31 that was a lot i thought they were going to be god-awful last yeah. year san francisco and they were they were pretty good they they showed some fight um they didn't make a whole lot of moves this offseason but you know they at least i think they they showed some initiative they they tried to get a couple guys they didn't really like i said hammer it down at all but um Out of that group, I mean that group. A lot of, I mean, the Pirates, they got no shot. The Rangers, they got no shot. You know, a lot of these, a lot of those teams, they, they, you know, they were punting on the season. You know, back in October, they, they were already preparing to not, uh, you know, to not really make any noise this upcoming season. But I I think the Giants actually want to win. They actually want to compete and try to like, they're going to have to fight for a wildcard spot because there's, there's no way they're winning the division. But, um, you know. They 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 got they got some good pieces. Brandon Belt. I got Wilmore Flores is over there. He's great. The lefty specialist Donovan Solano at second two. Evan Longoria still got a little bit of a little bit of juice left of them. And Mike Isseymski. He was he was phenomenal last year. And I think yeah. you know he sh- he should be able to continue that that up. And he'll he'll be a nice. Probably the best bat in the middle of the order for them, Yastrzemski. So if he can play as well as he did last year, they'll be able to make some noise. Nothing, nothing great. Like I said, at best they'll get a wild card spot. I don't even really expect them to do that with how competitive that division is going to be. But um out of that, that bottom tier, that's probably the, my most likely because they actually have a decent roster. Like I said, the Pirates, Rangers, Royals, their their teams are pretty pretty awful. I don't see them making any noise. But the Giants, at least, will, will they'll make it tough on teams. So, part of this conversation I
0: wanted to have because we've talked about the Padres a little bit here. So, the last time the Padres made the playoffs before this past year where they lost in the wild card round, do you know who the manager of the Padres was that year?
1: So, it was probably 2008. 2008.
0: 2008. He's still an active manager. Wait, no, no, he's not. He retired 2 years, yeah, 2 years ago.
1: Was it the guy Oh, I can't
0: he won multiple World Series with the team he went to after the Padres.
1: After the Padres, yes, multiple World Series Ooh. after that. So who's won multiple since two thousand eight? I know I don't think I can I, I could name their manager in two thousand eight. Bruce Bochy. Bruce Bochy. Okay. Do yeah. you know
0: who the best player was on that Mets team by on that Padres team by war?
1: Any? Or, I mean, was it was it Trevor Hoffman?
0: It was not Trevor Hoffman.
1: Was it a like? Um, He's a former Mets. Former Met, yes, he was yeah. on
0: the Mets was it team. Mike
1: was it Mike Cameron?
0: It was Mike Cameron. Mike yes. Cameron,
1: let's go. Okay,
0: this is what baseball guys like <laughs> Chris and I do. Where we just like, do you remember Brian Giles when he was on the Pirates in 2009 and he had 275? That's the kind of shit we do when we're talking about baseball. I mean, I'm looking at this roster Mike Cameron, they also had Mike Piazza.
1: Mike Piazza. Yeah. Brian Giles was the other guy I was thinking of. They did the first, and Giles- I was thinking of Giles. But when you said former, when you said it was a med, I was like, I think it was Mike Cameron. Yes. Giles Cameron was, was pretty forced. damn good.
0: Mike Cameron was a yeah. good baseball player. He was pretty he was
1: pretty damn good. Yeah. Dave Roberts was a starting
0: outfielder mm. on that team, which is crazy to think about because you know he was like a fringe player for most of his career. Yeah. And then their best player who didn't wasn't their best player that year, Adrian Gonzalez. Oh, okay. That was like yeah. the first year of Adrian Gonzalez being a full-time player. And, of course, Jake gotcha. Peavy. Of course, Jake oh, Peavy. Shout out
1: Jake Peavy. What a guy.
0: Really good pitcher for a long time. He did win the yeah. One World Series with the Red Sox. So good for him. So the other p- two teams I want to talk about before we focus in on the NLEs, you mentioned it a little bit talking about the White Sox and then the Yankees. So let's start with the Yankees because you and I are a little bit more Intimate of the day-to-days of the Yankees, because in the New York market, you're just inundated with Yankees and Mets stuff once you know December hits because the New York market is so heavily baseball reliant. The daily papers, whether you want to talk about the news, the post, newsday, whatever publication it is, they still their baseball's their bread and butter. All of them have multiple baseball writers, and we have as much information about the Yankees and Mets as pretty much any team in any sport in any market. So this has to be the year for the Yankees, right? This has to be the year with the way they have their roster set up.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of their guys, a lot of the, the younger guys that they have for cheap right now, their own like, the time, like the time they have on these arbitration contracts is only getting shorter. You know, they they got back DJ LeMahieu, and he's by no means slowing down, but you don't know how long he can keep up an MVP pace. Um, and you know, it's the, like I said, the, like you said before, the American league hasn't been this wide open in a long time, you know, like in years past, they probably had better teams, you know, back in like 2017, 2018. But then you also had an Astros team that, that, you know, I cheated their way to world series. You had the Red Sox team that won like 109 games that one year when they won the world series, you know, they, they had some really stiff competition to go through. In, during those seasons when their teams were very good and very competitive. And now, now they don't, you know, like we were saying before, Houston was under 500 last year, you know, they and like the, their biggest competition right now is probably Minnesota and Oakland. And they always, they always dominate I mean, besides the White Sox, but like they always dominate Minnesota. Every time the Yankees play Minnesota in, in the postseason, Minnesota just gets steamrolled. I mean, what they haven't even won a game against the Yankees in the ALD since, since like 2002 or something. Right. I, I think and then Oakland, I mean, same thing with Oakland, you know, they Oakland puts up a little bit of a fight. But if, if it's a if it's a you know a five game, seven game series, Yankees and Oakland, Yankees are gonna win that. Like they're gonna be huge favorites because they're gonna win. So really the only competition is the Chicago White Sox. And like I said, I mean they are not gonna be as good as that that the Astros team was in 2017 or that Red Sox team was in 2018. They're just not gonna be that good. So this is the best chance they got. Um I'm sure Yankee fans probably would have liked for a little bit more in the starting pitching department, but they have a lot of arms, you know, a lot of arms that are risky. Um, you know, Kluber and Talion, they're two, they're two additions this offseason. season. They've pitched like a combined seven innings in the last two seasons. So it's going to be, you know, it's its going to be a lot to work them up to pitching a full season. You know, you're probably not getting 180 innings out of those two guys. Um, but you know, that's why you also have Jordan Montgomery and David Garcia, Michael King. You also have Domingo Herman returning at uh, pitching for the first time in a couple of years as well after he served his domestic violence suspension. So, you know, outside of, outside of Garrett Cole, it's a lot of question marks. There's high upside question marks, don't get me wrong, definitely high upside. That's the, the at least good thing about this Yankees rotation. If at least one or two of these guys turns out to be, you know, what they used to be, like Kluber turns becomes a Cy Young, you know, Cy Young winner again, or Garcia lives up to the hype, you know, then maybe it'll all be okay. But it's a lot of question marks, a lot of upside, but a lot of question marks for this for this rotation. So, and that's the only, really, the only question marks in the rest of the team because the rest of this roster is loaded, incredible. Yeah, it's loaded. I mean, even Gary Sanchez isn't that good, but you know, he struggled a lot last couple of years. But Luke Voigt, is is a he's he's you know, damn near an MVP candidate at first base. LeMahieu is an MVP candidate second. You know, Gio Rochella is is great at third. Glaber, when he when you know when he's right, is is one of the best young players in baseball. Frazier, Hicks, Judge, Talkman, you know, they have they they the roster is definitely deep. Probably the best lineup, maybe the best lineup in the league. It's just you gotta hope that one of these question marks in your rotation turns out to be a star behind Garrett Cole. And the other thing I do want to touch on when we're talking about the Yankees is the way
0: they allocate their money in their roster is really interesting. The way it's all al- spe- dispersed because the only guy you're really paying a lot of money right now are Stanton and Cole. Everyone else of the key contributors on their team is pre-arb or it's like LeMahieu, so who's on a reasonable deal. And yeah. I think it's a really interesting way to build a team. And I've talked about it a lot on the show over the last week or two in hockey and basketball and football is the way teams are trying to build their rosters. It's all Every other sport is starting to resemble how teams are built in the NBA, where it's one or two extremely expensive guys and then everyone else. And because the Yankees are getting so much value from these guys who are underpaid because they're still pre arbitration and they haven't had a chance to really hit the open market yet. They have plenty of opportunity. I mean, I said it last year and Darren agreed with me, Darren, our friend, a Yankee fan. I think Glaber Torres is gonna end up being the best player on this Yankees team down the road. Like when all said and done, I think he ends up being better than Aaron Judge.
1: Probably, yeah. Cause I mean he he's he's been a little up and down in his career, but he's at least shown the ability to stay healthy and you know, when when he's when he's hitting well, he he's a tough out Glaber Torres. Like he really is. And the thing about Glaber Torres is He's still only twenty four. Yeah, like he's t- he's twenty four years old. He's he's so damn young, and it feels like he's been on this Yankees roster for for ten years. And this guy, he's twenty four years old. He's so young, um, and still has a lot left to go. I mean, I don't even think Aaron. I think Aaron Judge was older than that one. I think Aaron Judge was twenty five when he made his debut when he was a rookie. And Torres has been in the league. He's like a veteran at this point, and he's only twenty four. So. You know even even some of those issues he has to work through, you can live with a guy working through issues when he's 24 years old because you know he's going to get better like you you know at some point those issues, especially with a guy of his talent of his caliber, they'll be able to iron out some of those issues. so you know he it, he he very well could be end up being like you said the, the best player on this on this Yankees roster. it would it wouldn't shock me.
0: If I gave you a mulligan for their off season, if I gave you Brian Cashman for an afternoon, what would you have advised him to do that he didn't bring back Tanaka to not give LeMahieu that extra year to pursue someone in free agency that they didn't make an overture to? Because I know you mentioned on your show yesterday about Udrizi. Aside from that, anything else come to mind that you think would have helped shore them up? Because like you said, this is their year. The field has never been easier to get there. And we're all waiting.
1: I mean, I, I, I don't I don't think they ever discussed it. I think it would have been pretty pretty fun for the Yankees though if they made a run at Riamuto and traded mm-hmm. away traded Gary Sanchez for, for a starter. You probably could have gotten a decent a decent you know high upside starter for Gary Sanchez. And if they made a run at Reamuto, that would have been a lot of fun for this Yankees team. But I, I don't I don't know if that was ever really in the cards for them. They seem pretty adamant on not going over the luxury tax. Um, I you know if if we're talking about more reasonable moves, probably making sure Tanaka doesn't leave. I think yeah. Tanaka is a huge part of this this team um, for a long time, and he I mean outside of last year in the postseason, and I think his first postseason with the Yankees, he was he's been lights out in in October. Like he he's been you know incredible in the postseason, been like the only reliable arm they've had during the playoffs for for a number of years, and so when you get they're going to get to the playoffs again this year when you get there it would have been pretty nice to be able to have Tanaka there you know you know every every third day every fourth day or whenever you had have them suit up so I, I probably if we're going to realistic move probably would have been to make sure Tanaka doesn't leave and go back go back to Japan that probably would have been the smartest move for them but like I said Ramuto would have been pretty fun for them to go after I think he would have fit in really 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 nice with this Yankees team all right last thing before we start talking specifically and at least
0: how painful/slash exciting/slash stressful
1: do you think a hypothetical Yankee Met World Series would be in 2021? I don't know if I don't know if I would be able to survive that. <laughs> I think I would. I think I would die. That would. I mean, it'd be it'd be great, but oh my gosh!
0: Just the way baseball Ugh. is in the New York area. Just I'm thinking about it would be the, the so Daily toxic. News, the Post. I'm thinking about Fan. I'm thinking about FAN the most because F baseball is what brings out the crazies on FAN
1: the oh most. Oh my god. Every every form of media would be just a cesspool. It'd be so <laughs> toxic. Our group chats or group chats would be toxic yeah. between Mets and Yankees fans. Twitter would be would be disgusting. The news <laughs> like everything. FAN would just be one Yankees fan calling screaming about Mets fans and then Mets fan calling back to call about the Yankees fans screaming. And it would just Oh my! It would be like it would be it'd be phenomenal, but it would it would I don't know if I could handle that. And like I'm he, I'm I'm glad I'm glad I was too young to remember the two thousand World Series because that, that was probably so that was probably stressful.
0: The Mets would actually have a chance in this World Series though, unlike the oh, yeah. two thousand World Series where it was pretty yeah. lopsided in talent. The twenty twenty one Mets could give the Yankees a run for their money solely based on oh pitching. for sure solely yeah. on pitching. The lineup yeah. is pretty good. The Yankees lineup is definitely better. But the yeah. Mets rotation is – I've I've said this for a while now. You put that Mets rotation of DeGrom, Strowman, Carrasco, Noah by mid-June, hopefully, and then whoever you want in that five spot. And whether it's Peterson, whether it's Luchesi, whoever you want to throw there, that's like the second, third best rotation in all of baseball.
1: Yeah, their they're, they're, they're top five is – definitely like their their first five guys in the rotation is every top five of baseball yeah. they're they're it's pretty damn good they they got some depth it's they get some injuries you get a little shaky but you know if any team you know anything besides the dodgers gets like two or three injuries in their starting rotation they're kind of screwed anyway so yeah i'm not too worried about that you hope for some for some decent luck and like you said we're getting noah back in june hopefully by by the middle of the year and hopefully by by september october he's he's full strength and fully ready to go and you know, you see, we see Syndergaard of old again.
0: Postseason Syndergaard was
1: really good, man.
0: I, oh, I yeah. forget who it was who tweeted it the other day, but they they spent a lot of time putting together a scatter plot of every Met starter to make at least five postseason starts, and Syndergaard had the highest strikeout to walk ratio and the highest innings to runs allowed ratio of any Met pitcher who made at least five starts in the playoffs. Yeah, like I mean, otherworldly a- stuff.
1: Yeah, it's a small sample size, and it was the, the years that they were in the playoffs with him was definitely peaks in the guard. But him in the 2015 World Series run, when he's coming out of the bullpen in Dodger Stadium, he was phenomenal. I was, I was, I'm pretty sure I was a rookie as well. It was a, it was a rookie doing that in the, the NLDS in L.A. coming out of the bullpen to face the, the heart of the Dodgers' order and shutting them down. And then the year after, he went toe-to-toe with Madison Bumgarner, maybe the greatest postseason pitcher of all time in in the 2016 wildcard game and he ended up losing but it I mean it wasn't he that was probably that might have been one of the best games Syndergaard's ever pitched for the Mets was that 2016 wildcard game he was phenomenal so you know it's small sample size but yeah him hit Syndergaard in the postseason has been electric that's definitely I think the best Syndergaard we've ever seen so hopefully you get there again and hopefully we see that from him again that'd be a lot of fun
0: that's a beautiful way to transition to talking about the NL East, because I know you put in some legwork for this part of the conversation. So we'll start with the Mets because we're both the most familiar with them. So I, I know you mentioned on your show yesterday that you wanted Springer. You thought that was the move they were going to make. You didn't yeah. think Lindor was that practical. So talk mm-hmm. to me a little bit about Springer. And then if there was anything else she thought of.
1: Um, I, I just, I think Springer would have made, I, I think the, the, no DH and the NL, definitely hamstring them a little bit. But I still even without that, I think Springer would have been the smartest move. I think he fit not that Lind- I think Lindor is probably the smartest move because he's he's four years younger and a legit superstar. But Springer, I think, fit so well into this team. They need they need a good defensive center fielder who can actually hit the ball as well because Nimmo is great fine at the plate. One of the worst, the, like metrics-wise, he's one of the worst defensive center fielders in baseball. So you want you want to improve both sides of the ball. You don't want you don't want a Brandon Nimmo who can hit well and lead off, but can't really field, and you don't want a Juan Lagaris or a Billy Hamilton who will catch everything but will hit 210. You don't want that. You want a middle ground, which is George Springer. He has he's he's a leadoff guy. He's got a lot of pop. Um, you know, you could throw him, you could throw him at leadoff. You could throw him in the middle of the order. He's great postseason resume. I I just think, I think he would have been a perfect fit for this team. Um, I I would have loved to see George Springer. He was really the only one of the big three that I wanted or that I was upset that they didn't get. Um, You know, their their team is still good without him, but I, I think Springer, you know, like I said, Springer just throwing him into the middle of that order would have been, would have been so fun to watch. So I, that's, that's what I would have liked to see, but. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not losing sleep over them not getting him. They still have a, a, a damn good roster, and getting Francisco Lindor trumps everything else they you know that anybody else did or anything they didn't do, so I, I can live with it. I know last
0: time you were on the show, I mentioned this briefly, but I still think they probably should have waited on the James McCann deal and tried to see what Riomuto was wanting, because what he ended up getting was a lot less than what we all kind of assumed he was going to get over the course of a contract, and if I had the benefit of hindsight, and you know they could have had McCann wait, I understand that they probably wouldn't have been able to get McCann to wait. But at the same time, if they had, they very easily could have made the offer to Riamuto because they made a big offer to Bauer and they made a big offer to Springer.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the thing that that upset me more about Springer is that like it's like all right, if you didn't want to, you didn't want to go too crazy spending on Springer, I right, I can I can understand to extent it's their money they're smart. They know how they want to spend it, but then you go off with Trevor Bauer, $40 million. It's like, well, what's, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to shoot the moon with the money, why not just go get the center fielder, you know? And I I don't know. That didn't make sense to me, but yeah, like I said, hindsight wise, if, if you knew you had a legit shot at getting real Muto, they definitely could have afforded what he ended up getting from Philly. But, you know, I think they definitely got scared of losing out on, uh, because I I mentioned this last night, like you said, um, if, if, they, if they wait on, on Real Muto and McCann signed somewhere else, and then they lose it on Real Muto too, then they would have been stuck. They would have been stuck with like Robinson Chirinos. Again, they would have been screwed at catcher. So I think they got, they got scared of that possibility. So they just went with the safe option and getting McCann, which I, like I said, I don't hate. He's okay. Obviously, Ramuto's much, much better, but you know, McCann, McCann is serviceable. He's better than Wilson Ramos. He's better than, you know, most catchers they've had for a number of years. So, Again, I, I can live with that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lose sleep over them missing out on real Muto.
0: Yeah, I mean even McCann is like the best catcher the Mets have had since like Paul Laduca. And like I know yeah. every Met fan is just, yeah, Paul Duca was really good 15 years ago, but it's true. It, Catcher has been a wasteland for the last 10 to 15 years. Man. Just no one – I mean, the great hope was Darno, and they never really gave Darno enough of a chance to make it happen. And we've seen him be an effective player on other teams now, and it's frustrating because yeah, the he's, Mets – he's healthy now, and he's damn good on Atlanta. The Mets gave him away. They DFA'd him. Yeah. Someone who didn't have – they gave him an extension – no, they they what's
1: it called? They they they, him... they tendered him a contract. Yeah, they they, they yeah, could yeah. have non-tendered. He was a non-tender candidate. They could have tendered. They could have non-tendered him. Just let him go for nothing. They tendered him a contract. Gave him like three million dollars guaranteed. Yeah, and then they ended up just DFAing him two weeks yeah. into the season. They exactly. didn't give him a chance so they, to get healthy. Exactly, I mean, it didn't make any sense. It was it. I mean, that just that's just Brody's roster management for you. That guy had no idea how to how to run a major league team.
0: Yeah, I mean, they were giving up prospects for fourth outfielders, not not oh sound God. roster management. We don't have to talk about Keon Broxton. Who do you want to talk about next in the NL East? It's your pick.
1: Um, I just go down the line and go to the Braves. Um, they're, they're the top dogs. Like like I said in the, the, you know, the beginning of the show, the Mets are good. The Mets the Mets may be the slight betting favorite. Last time I checked, I think they were the slight betting favorite in the, uh, in the NL East, but uh until uh yeah, let's see yeah the Mets are plus 130 Braves are plus 140 so it's it's really close but until I see a team you know beat the Braves in the NL East the Braves are the, the top dog they've been that way for the last few years Freddie Freeman just won MVP Ronald Acuna is one of the best young players in baseball um Ozzy Albi, like they they have they have plus defenders uh, they they have they have plus defenders all over the field Acuna's Albi, Albie's, Freeman, Swanson—they're all plus plus defenders with really good production at at you know at the dish. And then Indian Ciarte is another plus defender. Um, they have Christian Pache coming up, who's really really good, great defender, probably be a gold glover in the near future. Um, you know they they're, their roster is damn good. They they have a really good team, probably the most well-rounded team in in the NL East. The the Braves. There's really no weak spots you can really see on their roster. Um, And so, like I said, until I see, you know, until the Mets beat them, show they could beat the Braves. I don't, I don't see the Braves losing out in this division. I just don't see it happening.
0: I mean, I I wake up with the vision, the nightmarish vision of Freddie Freeman at the plate in the NLCS with like Edwin Diaz coming into the game and a runner on second and just being like, well, it was nice to make the NLCS because the Mets (laughs) haven't gotten Freddie Freeman out. I think, two times in a yeah. row maybe his entire career I, I the other day he hits, someone he
1: it's like 450 against the Mets it's insane
0: some someone
1: tweeted the other day
0: what player owns a specific team and I was curious and I went on baseball reference and I looked Freddie Freeman's played 175 games against the Mets he's hitting 303 with 25 home runs and 111 RBIs and 171 <laughs> games against the Mets for his career I, I know the Mets were pretty bad for a lot of this decade but like even when the Mets were good, Freddie Freeman messes them that up. That
1: didn't that that didn't change even though yeah. I, you know last year. Like that that's never been no matter how good or bad the Mets were, Freddie Freeman's been dominating them. The, uh, yeah.
0: the Braves are a very fun team. Acuna it they sucks are. they're in the Mets division because like Acuna is so fun to watch. Acuna is a legit like 40 candidate, like someone who could contend yeah. for an MVP, who could win a gold glove, one of the most exciting players in all of baseball. And he's just going to torture me for the rest
1: of my life. I know when I was going through all these teams, I was like, I, I hate that these teams are in the Mets division. Cause like, I like so many of these players. Like I yeah. can't like, even like, like, you know, like the Braves and the Phillies, like they're probably the, Met, the Mets, two biggest rivals. And I, I can't, I can't hate them because like you said, Acuna is so fun to watch. Freddie Freeman is just a damn good baseball player. Um, you know, like Swant, Swanson's pretty fun to watch. Ozzy Albie's is a lot of fun. Like these guys, they're they're fun players. They they're a fun team and they're they're a really good team. And I really like, I said, so they young center fielder, Christian Pache. I think he's going to be great. Um, again, it sucks that these guys are in in the NL East with the Mets, but they're they're just really good. And the really, rotation really
0: too. I mean, Freed, you're talking about. They brought in Morton, who's really good. <laughs> they they got older, Drew yeah. Smiley
1: as well. Yeah. Soroka Soroka's Ian Anderson awesome. was great last yeah. year.
0: Yeah, yeah it, but... it, I think that's one of the things that's changed for me more as I've gotten older. Is just like, I like watching sports played at a high level. Like there are still individual people I hate, but it's not like at what it was when I was like 16 and it's like, fucking hate Jason Witten. I fucking hate Jason Witten. Yeah. <laughs> now it's like, damn, that guy's so good at baseball. I wish I could do that. I'm going to enjoy watching this because yeah. the Braves are legitimately, they're right there. They are right there with the Dodgers. I thought the Braves were going to be, good last year i didn't expect them to take the leap they did last year but this year legit there are they've arrived now we we think yeah. the braves are a legitimate world series contender and they're set up to be one for a few years now because they got their guys under contract for really cheap i mean the yeah, albies and the albies contract the, is eight years worth a hundred million it's robbery million. they're
1: they're they're stealing they're they're paying acuna and Albie's college credit to play for them with the with, with how good those guys play for the braves it is it's like they're getting it's like an internship how much they're getting paid it's crazy on the open market acuna could get 35 million a year easy oh He's yeah. getting like 23 if he was nah. a free agent today like or like if he just keeps on this trajectory when he would be a free agent he'd be getting yeah 35 million a year 30 easy. 35 million a year easy yeah. yeah
0: all right phillies or nationals next
1: uh let's go nationals because it kind of fits in well with the brace talk where like these guys are just so fun to watch and that's the same way I feel about Juan Soto yeah and this might be a hot take but I think Juan Soto is the best young player in baseball I think he's better than Acuna and I think he's better than Tatis those are the, the three guys it's like it's like Trout, Betts, and then those three and those two are like obviously the young guys I think so Soto is I like if I was a pitcher, in Bay- I would have nightmares trying to think about how to get – I don't know how I, – like, I watch – every time I watch the Mets play the Nationals 18, 19 times a year, and I, I'm amazed whenever Juan Soto doesn't hit a ball in the gap or doesn't put one in the stands. Like, I'm, I'm in shock when he doesn't get a hit. Like, if they get him out, I'm like, wow, that was really big. Like, it could be the first inning, like, you know, two out, nobody on, and they get they, – you know, they, they get Juan Soto the ground out. I'm like, that was a big play, like, to get Juan Soto out. I don't I don't know what it is about him but he he's he's so damn good Juan Soto. He is incredible to watch. Um, like he's not he's not as fast as and good in the field as as Acuña and Tatis but I like like I said I don't I, he's he's like for me he's the scariest hitter to go against in baseball like at least out of the young guys for sure it's like I said, Juan, Juan, He's I, I can't say enough about how much I like Juan Soto. I, I wish he wasn't on the Nationals. I wish.
0: Makes guys a lot more enjoyable when they're not torturing you. Uh, yeah. Anyone else on the Nationals catching your eye aside from the old usual suspects? You talk about Scherz or you talk about um, Strasburg, anyone yeah, else? Yeah, Corbin else?
1: as well. Yeah, Um, Corbin's For something. a couple guys that, that I think, I, I, I think there's a couple guys I think they need to, that are, are going to make or break their season this year. Cause like they're very top heavy. They they're top three in a rotation. The Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin you expect good performances out of them. You expect Soto to be incredible. You expect Trey Turner to be a top five shortstop in baseball. You expect that Those, that you know, that's you, you want that out of them. You're going to get that out of them. But I think the two guys for me that are really going to make or break their season that are going to, it's going to take them from either fourth in the NL East to, or fighting for wildcards. wildcard spot, Carter key boom, their their young third baseman. Uh he he was kind of he was given the chance to win third base last year at the Rendon left and he couldn't he couldn't be out of Jubo Cabrera for third base, which is kind of saying something. Um, but he's still the top prospect. He's he's still got some pop. He just has to work it out. If if he can if he can play better, then if, if he can play better, that'll certainly help fill that void that Anthony Rendon left because he felt he left a, a big hole in that team. And also Josh Bell Josh Bell is like one of the most interesting players of the last two years because the first half of 2019, the first half of 2019, he had three hit 302 average, 1024 OPS, 27 home runs, 84 RBIs. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the type of guy that says the home run derby messes with the guy's swing. But for if you're somebody who does, just look at Josh Bell because he competed in the home run derby that Pete Alonso won, the the Alonzo Vladdy Jr. one. And after that home run derby guy he didn't even do that good in the home run derby, which is the weird part. After the home run derby, second half of 2019, 233 average, 780 OPS, 10 home runs, 32 RBIs. Way worse. And then the 2020 season, basically the same as the second half of 2019. Like he's he was he was a legit all he was like an MVP candidate. He was leading the league in RBIs first half of 2019. Yeah. And ever since then, he it's it's like he's been awful. He has not been good. Um traded. So maybe, maybe, you know a new environment, and Washington will do some good for him. If he can be – if he could be the player what's the first half of 2019, Washington is – Washington could probably get – a could sneak into a wild-card spot this season. If he can't, if him and Boom they don't perform well enough, I don't know if Trey Turner and Juan Soto have enough in them to to carry this this Nationals lineup. I just don't think they do. So I think those two are probably the, the biggest keys for for the Nationals this year. I never –
0: Know what to make of the Nationals because they are always such a weird team. Like all the years, we were like, Well, they're going to win the division. It's a matter of what they do in the playoffs. And then they would just shit the bed in the NLDS. And then the one year that I was like, Well, this isn't a particularly good national team it was finally the year they won the World Series. Yeah, I really right? never know what beliefs. to make out <laughs> of them.
1: It. Yeah, it, it's weird. I- it's so it's very very like yeah that like you said they were winning like a hundred games a year with Dusty Baker and yeah. then losing losing you know getting swept in the NLDS and then like you said they they the 2019 team that won the World Series that was probably the worst team they had in the last five six years and they end up Howie Kendrick you know turned into Babe Ruth and he, he <laughs> wins NLCS MVP and World Series MVP and he's hitting the home runs at the foul pole uh, again you know against against the Astros closers I mean it was it was. Yeah, like I said, it was crazy. Like that was definitely the worst team they had in the last five, six years. And then that was the team that ended up winning the World Series. They ended up getting it, you know, being able to get out of the first round of the playoffs. So don't really know what to make in that. Never really know what to make in that. I thought they're gonna be good last year. They were awful, but yeah, you know, who knows? With a full season again, you you never really know.
0: It's one of those things, especially in baseball, I'd say in hockey as well, is it's not always about who is the best team. It's about who gets hot at the right time and the Nationals were a good example. Of that I mean, the Nationals were like sixteen and thirty-two in June, and like yeah. Sean Doolittle had like an ERA of like thirty in at the end of May, and Doolittle was clutch for them in the playoffs, and he yeah, got he it done. Phenomenal. Yeah, it, you really never know what it's gonna take in the, especially baseball and hockey. Basketball is different because it's so top-heavy, where one or two guys can be the whole difference in a series. In baseball and in hockey, there are so many guys who have to play that the variance is higher, and you get some of these weird outcomes. Going to the Phillies now, talk to me a little bit about Joe Girardi's team.
1: I, I like the Phillies. Um, I think the biggest, the biggest thing for the Phillies last year was they had the second-worst bullpen ERA in the history of the game of baseball. <laughs> Their bullpen had a 7.06 ERA last year. Literally the second worst in, in, in history. That is insane. They were so bad. Um, they're going to, they're going to be better though. Like the Phillies, they, they were still, they were still pretty competitive in the NL East last year. They were 20 and 32 that I know it's four games under, but you know, they, they were, they were only three games back of Miami for the second spot in the NL East that would have got them into the playoffs. And so, you know, if they, if their bullpen just wasn't historically bad, they probably would have made the postseason. Um, and so they got rid of a couple of guys in that bullpen. They also brought in they, – they added Jose Alvarado, Sam Coonrod, and Archie Bradley. Excuse me, brought them all in. Those are all going to be solid bullpen arms. And also, also a little bit of analytics talk. So I don't know if you know what FIP is, but FIP is basically Fielding Independent Pitching. It's basically a stat that says what a pitcher's ERA would be if, if – their their fielders were all league average defenders okay so it's how well a pitcher actually does not not based off you know any pitch will be good if you have you know if you have barry larkin at shortstop you know but if you have just league average players behind you how well are you're going to pitch what's your era going to be a lot of these guys had a FIP that was much higher than the era which leads you to believe that they just got unlucky that some poor defense and just Poor luck, which is going to happen, especially over the course of a 60-game season. A string of bad luck can mean you have a historically bad season like that. So you assume that just by nature of being a little bit luckier and just being more closer to what your performance is expected to be, the bullpens are going to get a lot better. Um, like I said, they, they added pieces, but also with a, with a little additional luck or just not even they're getting luck. They're just not getting as unlucky. The bullpen's going to be better. That'll make the whole team better. I mean, Bryce Harper is great. Reese Hoskins is great. Alec Bohm was was really good last year coming up as a rookie. Um, Aaron Nolan and Zach Wheeler—they're two really good guys at the top of that rotation. You know, they they have a good roster. They have a decent roster. I think you know they they'll be in the hunt for the division title. I don't think by the season ends they're they're more likely to be battling for a wild card spot. But this is a decent team. You know, like I said, if the bullpen wasn't terrible, they would have been. They would have been in the postseason last year. And so, just by nature of luck, the they'll, they'll the bullpen will be better. They added pieces as well, and I think for that, they'll they'll be pretty competitive this year. I do like Joe Girardi's team.
0: I will say about the point you made there: sixty games is you know less than half of what a normal baseball season is. Sixty yeah. games is like two and a half months. That's a pretty normal thing for a team to have a two and a half month slump. Individual guys to have a couple bad games here and there over the course of a season i mean specific to the mets the one that stands out is pete alonzo because he had a pretty bad year at the plate from an average perspective yeah and you know that that's only because he was in a slump and he didn't have enough time to work himself out of it that's just the nature of baseball because the season is so long guys really do have a bad month and a half that's a real thing that happens every single year across baseball And because the season is so long, there's time for it to work itself out.
1: Exactly. I mean, Pete Alonso slumped in his 2019 season, but he was just so good the rest of the 2019 season that, and the season was so long over 162 games, you can kind of hide, you know, a slump that lasts, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, 10, 15 games with the other 140 games you play, you know, like you said, in the 60 game season, you, you have, you have a couple bad weeks, that's half your season is just gone. It's gone. You know, half your season is gone and you have you have, you know, a 180 at batting average or like a five ERA. So, you know, it's like, yeah, the, the whole the whole shortened season, I think, definitely hurt them last year. I think even even if they played 162 game season, the bullpen wouldn't have been that bad. It would have gotten better by the end of the season. It, you know, adjustments would have been made, luck would have, you know, gone in their favor a little more towards the end of the year and things would have gotten better for them. So I think with the benefit of a full 162-game season this year, they'll, they're, they're just going to be better. Like There's no way that I think they could be worse. Talk to
0: me about those Marlins. Don Mattingly, still the manager somehow after all these years. I think it's just because Derek Jeter doesn't want to fire Don Mattingly. Basically what it comes down to, like he likes Don Mattingly. That's basically it.
1: Yeah. I, you know, they might be the only team I'm excited. I'm happy that they're in the NL East because they were pretty good last year. They definitely played above their weight, but they were pretty good. And if I was a Marlins fan, I would be extremely disappointed because they didn't do anything. They they made – I think they made they made three signings. They signed Adam Duvall, who cares, Anthony Bass, and Ross Detweiler. So they signed a corner outfielder, and they signed two relief pitchers. And they also traded for Adam, Simberg, Adam Simber and John Curtis. So they, they added four relievers and an outfielder. That's all they did they made the playoffs that year they they were like had the phillies their the 60 game season for them hurt them 60 game season for miami definitely benefited them yeah. um even even with all you know the whole all the whole covid outbreak they had on their team the 60 game season definitely benefited the miami marlins last year and you know they would have had to make some big moves if they wanted to really compete with the the rest of the nl east because the nl east is, was easily the most competitive or the most active division this offseason, season, but you know, I I, w- I would have liked to see them do something because yeah. they, like I said, they they really didn't add a lot. They they they're, they're going to be okay. They they have some decent players. You know, they ha- they have solid enough players at every position around around you know around the around the field. But there's just I I, I just feel like they really could have gone for it a little bit. Excuse me, not even like so much go out and make a huge move like go out and sign a Springer go out and sign a Bauer or you know I mean they wouldn't have been able to bring Riamuto back but um you know they didn't have to go for one of those top two moves but then you know they could go out and sign Jake Odorizzi you know they could have signed Tyrone Walker they they could have signed Tanaka you know they, they they could have they could have went out and got you know maybe Didi Gregorius or Andrew like they could have made some kind of move to improve the team and I just don't think they really I just feel like they they lacked a lot of I guess, ambition this offseason. And so it's a little disappointing because they, they were pretty good. They showed a lot of promise last year and I just don't think they did enough with what they got out of their team last year to really improve on that. So, I, you know, I, like I said, I, they'll be okay. They're, they're not going to be an easy win, but they, they definitely had the most disappointing offseason uh, in the NL East for sure.
0: All right. Two things before I get you out of here. Number one, over under two and a half all-star games for Jared Kalenick in his career
1: oh it's easy over that guy's gonna be a hall of famer (laughs) because the Mets because Brody traded them for Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano (laughs) definitely over two and a half you're confident someone on the Mariners
0: can make multiple all star three all-star games
1: if if FanDuel put that on their site right now I would throw a lot of money on it (laughs) Let's just put it that way. I'm not even a gambling man. I'm not a big gambler. But if if Fanduel put Kellenic over under All Star games on their website right now, I would I would put money on it. How many would it have to be for you to take the under? Seven and a half, eight and a half? Maybe, yeah. Maybe like maybe like eight and a half. That would be a lot. I still think he. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets to that. But that's a lot. Yeah. You know, guys have down years. Guys have you know get injured. So you know you don't really know. But yeah, uh, he's he's probably he's gonna be so damn good. I hope he isn't, but he probably is. All right,
0: last question. The Mets record
1: on the last day of the regular season will be blank and blank. Um hmm. I think I think they're gonna hover high what's the their over under is like ninety one, right? I think they're gonna yeah. be under that. So I think high eighties, low nineties, probably maybe eighty-nine and seventy-three, ninety, seventy-two, somewhere around there. Uh if you want a concrete number, I'll go I'll go 89 and 73. I think okay. that's a good number for them.
0: I can see that. I could definitely see that. I will say I agree with you. I think 91, 91 and a half, whatever number you're seeing out there for over-unders is too high. I just mm-hmm. that division is tough. Like, e- like you said, yeah, even the Marlins tough. are pushovers. Like there's no the Mets it. always have a hard time with the Marlins for some reason, like even when the Marlins are god-awful. But yeah. especially now that the
1: Marlins are like respectable they're competent it, yeah yeah
0: yeah anything else you want to touch on before i get you out of here king
1: uh i don't think so i enjoyed this this discussion about baseball a lot you know i love talking baseball it was a lot of fun i'm excited for bay i can't wait it sucks we gotta i mean it's april first is when so we still got like four weeks left um but we got that we got and will be the show coming to Xbox soon so we're finally gonna be able to play that I'm excited um, it's, it's a good time to be a baseball fan I think so I'm I'm, I'm happy at least a Mets fan maybe just because my Mets fan I got new owners but <laughs> I'm excited I'm happy we got
0: the new owner smell at Citi Field it's very nice yeah. it's very nice can't wait to get vaccinated can't wait to be at Citi Field can't wait to pay $16 for a tall boy a Bud Light I'm very much looking forward to a normal summer <laughs> Chris t- I, I- tell the people a little bit about your show and then we'll get everyone out of here
1: uh, I, I have a, a little radio online radio show called Sports Support with Christopher Schweitzer every Wednesday night at 7 p.m on Hudsonnoferradio.com. But if you don't want to tune in at 7 pm, that's perfectly fine. You can also find it as a podcast. Uh, all your favorite podcast streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Speaker, all of them, it's on there. The sports support with Christopher Schweitzer pretty much uh, have an episode every week. every Wednesday it'll be up or every, every Wednesday, Thursday around there, it'll be up. So uh, yeah, go follow me there. Um, you can find my, my Twitter, C. Schweitzer with two R's, C-S-E-H-W-E-I-T-Z-E-R-R. So follow me on there as well. I post sometimes, make some tweets sometimes. So I think that's all the self-promoting I had to do. I thank you for the platform you, you gave me to self-promote. And I appreciate the time uh, we had talking about baseball. Like I said, a lot of fun. It's always fun to talk about baseball.
0: Like I said, this time of year, it's only optimism. Everything is great. I wasn't that mad watching Dylan Patentis be bad in a spring training game today. The good times are coming people. We're going to all get vaccinated soon. We're going to have baseball. We're going to have basketball and hockey playoffs. We're going to have the NFL draft. It's a good time. We're getting to the best part of the sports calendar. I will see you guys on Monday. Not sure what Monday's topic is going to be. I'll workshop that over the weekend. I'll see you guys then. (laughs)